Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to Oakwood Community Church. Thank you for being here. My name is Pastor Ben. Uh, I recognize quite a few of you, but if you don't recognize me, I'd love the chance to say hello and just get the chance to meet you for a little while. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here at Oakwood Community Church, which means I get to work with our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, and our college-age kids. Uh, So if you're one of those groups, I'd love to say hello to you as well. Uh, But thanks for being here this morning. I have just a couple things I want to address right at the start so that you guys are on the same page that we are. Uh, Firstly, we've been having some power issues at the church this last week, and our heater is out this morning. Uh, So if at any point you feel kind of cold, just snuggle up to the person next to you as long as you know them. Don't snuggle up to people you don't know. That's rule number one. Uh, But if you do feel cold, just uh, know that that's not an every week kind of thing. Uh, Second thing is, it's my wife's birthday today. So if you guys see, yes, we love Kylie. I love Kylie. Uh, If you see Kylie today, she's currently in the nursery. If we yell really loud, she might hear us. Uh, But anyway, say hello to her, embarrass her a little bit for me. Uh, When I was telling Pastor Don what I was preparing for this weekend, uh, his one question was, well, did you tell people, make sure you tell people it's Kylie's birthday. So I already accomplished the thing that he asked me to accomplish. Now we can go home early, I guess. Let's see. Um... When you can't read your own handwriting. Oh, uh, our students are doing a movie night this Wednesday. Uh, It's spring break week, so we generally wouldn't meet. uh, But we've had to miss a couple weeks for different reasons. Uh, So this Wednesday, our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, if anybody's available in town, is welcome to come to a movie night. Uh, We'll be having a great time with that. I think that's all I have for you. But this week, uh, we are diving into Passion Week. And if you are familiar with church, if you've been in church for a long time, you may know exactly what Passion Week is all about. Uh, But Passion Week is a celebration of Jesus' last week of his earthly ministry before going to the cross. So this weekend is Palm Sunday, and we're going to be talking about the story of Palm Sunday today. Uh, This Friday is a good Friday, and then next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Uh, we'd invite you guys to join us this coming Friday. Pastor Doug Schmidt, uh, former pastor at Woodside Bible Church, is going to be leading us in a Good Friday service. And then again on Easter Sunday, uh, we'd encourage you guys to come back. Pastor Don is going to be walking us through a series or a, a week called G- uh, Jesus Was There. And the goal is to look at the different times in the Bible that Jesus was there and hopefully uh, how he can be there for us in our own life. And today, we want to make sure that as we start this Passion passion Week, we take a moment to realize who Jesus is, right? So I very cleverly named the talk this morning, Jesus Is, simply because we want to take a moment to stop and not just reflect on Jesus' actions, the things that he did during the Passion Week, the things that he did on the cross on Palm Sunday, on Good Friday, and on Easter, but we want to start with a firm foundation of who Jesus is. And I want to caution you because at this point, if you've been in church for a long time, you have a a temptation. And I've seen some of you do it already where you kind of sit back in your chair and you're getting comfortable and you're like, oh, this one's an easy one. I went to Sunday school. We're going to be talking about Jesus. I don't really have to pay attention very well. Just so you know, I know who you are and I'm looking at you. I'm going to make sure I make eye contact all of service. But I want to challenge you guys this morning, not just on what you know, but on how you live your life. I want to challenge you not just on how you view who Jesus is. I want to challenge you on how you live your life in relation to that truth. 
So again, stick with us. I have a bad habit of getting you guys out early, so I promise I won't go long today, uh, but stay present with us this morning. And as we enter this conversation on Palm Sunday, what we're going to realize is that Palm Sunday is a story of a crowd of people who have their expectations for Jesus. They have expectations about who Jesus is, what Jesus is supposed to do for them, and ultimately their expectations will be unmet. So I want you guys all just to think, and especially my married men in the room, who is the person who, when they have unmet expectations, they'll always let you know about it? And hold on, don't say it out loud. I want you to think about it, I want you to process it, and we're going to say it on three so that none of us get in trouble individually, all right? Who is the person in your life who always lets you know if they have unmet expectations? One, two, three. It's your children. Okay, did anybody say wife? Okay. Shoot, somebody's in trouble. Uh, We can talk afterwards, that's my fault. Uh, We are familiar with unmet expectations. Maybe it's someone who we live with who uh, will let us know if there are expectations who are unmet. Uh, Ladies, when your husband is watching that basketball game and he expects his team to win, if they're not winning, is he letting the TV know about it? Probably. Have we told him a thousand times that the refs can't hear him on the other side of the TV and yet he still lets them know? Uh, How many of you guys are honest enough to say that you've ever posted on Yelp? Anybody? Okay, maybe a few of us. Yelp is an entire website built around people who probably didn't have their expectations met. So what happens is you go out to eat or, you know, you experience some sort of experience, whether it's a movie theater or a church, and then you go on Yelp afterwards and you let people know exactly what you thought about it, right? And you get two kinds of people, the people who absolutely loved it and the people who had all of their expectations that were unmet. And we will absolutely forgive us for voicing those opinions. But all of us are experienced. All of us understand what it looks like to have our experiences and our expectations unmet. All of us are familiar with that. So as we enter this story today, I want you guys to be in that mindset. I want you guys to think about what it feels like when your expectations are unmet. Because today I hope to challenge your view on who Jesus is. So let's pray together, uh, and then we'll dive into the book of Matthew. Father, as we come to you this morning, we're thankful for Passion Week. We're thankful for the life that Jesus lived and the things that Jesus did. And Father, we want to celebrate those. We're going to spend the next week celebrating those. But as we start today on this Palm Sunday, we want to spend some time just focusing on who Jesus is. So Father, help us to be honest with ourselves and our shortcomings. Help us to open our heart this morning. And as we recognize who Jesus is, help us to understand the areas in our life where we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to be opening up to Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. So you can turn there, and we'll read together, but I believe it'll be on the screens as well. Matthew 21, starting in verse 1, says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the mount, uh, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, 
and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowds said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. As we read this passage together, it becomes really clear that this crowd has a bunch of expectations already placed on Jesus. As we enter this story, it's helpful to understand that the Jewish people lived under Roman rule. The Romans were basically occupying, they were an occupying force who were ruling over the Jewish people at this time. And the Romans weren't necessarily known as nice people. They weren't necessarily known as treating the people who they ruled over kindly. In fact, the Jews had been under this rule for a very long time. And at this point, many of these people would have been familiar with their own holy scriptures, most of the books we call our Old Testament. And in that scripture, they proclaim, and many of the prophets tell, a story of a Messiah who will come and deliver the Jewish people from an oppressive rule. So these Jewish people at this time are familiar with these stories, and as they see this man named Jesus start to go around teaching, start to go around performing miracles, start to go around and do all the things that Jesus did, they're starting to look at him and say, this might be our Messiah. This person named Jesus from Nazareth might be the Messiah that our holy scriptures speak of. And as we look at this ceremony that they're performing for Jesus with the palm branches, it's very clear that this is a ceremony meant for a king. This is a ceremony that would be done if a king was coming back from battle, he was coming back from going to conquer a land or conquer a people, and as he'd enter a town, they would basically put on a parade. And the king would come through the city, and they would wave the palm branches, and they would shout thanks to them. It would look a lot like a parade today but it was meant to celebrate the king as he came home from his conquest, from his conquering, from his wars. So in this story, it's clear that the Jewish people at this time are looking at Jesus and they're proclaiming, you are our king returning to save us. And the ceremony helps us to understand that. Even the language that they use, things like Hosanna, which when translated to English, literally just means save us. And when they called Jesus the son of David, meaning he would come from the king, kingly line, essentially he would have been in line to be king. Son of David, come and save us. King, come and save us. It becomes clear that these people have expectations of Jesus. First, the crowd is expecting a military leader. The crowd is expecting someone to come into their town and help them be liberated from the Roman rule. These people were expecting someone to take up a sword and lead people against Rome. 
The crowd expected a military leader. The crowd also expected an earthly king. We can tell by their language. We can tell by the ceremony that they are presenting Jesus with. And unfortunately, the crowd had unexpected I'm sorry, the crowd had unmet expectations of who Jesus was. The crowds had unmet expectations of who Jesus was. So today, as we start to take time to just reflect on who Jesus truly is, we're going to be looking at some common ways that we and you have unmet expectations of Jesus because of the way that we view him. And whether it's uh, because we grew up in a certain tradition or whether it's because we just live in a sinful world and we have our needs and our wants and our desires, our view of Jesus will oftentimes be tainted, not based on who he reveals himself to be, but based on what we believe him to be. Today we want to spend some time exploring who Jesus is because this Passion Week won't make sense unless we have a full picture of who he is. So the first thing I want to talk through, talk about, is this concept of Jesus being only a good teacher. And I I have actually some quotes from people who we might experience as a good teacher or wise or people worth listening to. So the first one is, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Walt Disney, all right? A lot of the wives are like nudging their husbands. They're like, read that one, read that one. That one's for you. Another one. If you set your goals ridiculously high and it's a failure, you will fail above everyone else's success, James Cameron. Whoever is happy will make others happy too, Anne Frank. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile, Albert Einstein. And maybe one of my favorites, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. We got one more left than we did in first service. The truth is, Jesus is not only a good teacher. But if we view Jesus' teachings as just wise sayings, if we view Jesus' teachings as just fun things to put on coffee mugs and hang in our dining room or our bathrooms at home, we will treat him in a way that we're not meant to treat Jesus. We'll look at the teachings of Jesus as something that we can weed through and try to find little bits of fun information that we can post on our wall or we can put in our Instagram bio. We won't treat Jesus as someone who brings truth. And that's the first truth I want to give you guys this morning. Teachers can give you knowledge, but Jesus can give you truth. I don't know if you guys were like me, but when I was growing up in school, I really enjoyed trying to find ways around what the teachers were teaching. Especially in math class, when a teacher would say, okay, if you want to get the correct answer to this, these are the steps that you need to take. I would be like, I wonder if I can do it with less steps. I wonder if I can make it easier to get this problem right. Does anybody else kind of do that when they were in school? A few of us. But we as human beings have made knowledge a noble pursuit, and oftentimes it is. We spend much of our growing up years, our 20s, some of us even into our 30s, studying in school. We're like a dry sponge, and we soak up all the knowledge we can get. And a lot of times, it's a really positive thing. You can have a teacher in 
math, you can have a teacher in physical education, you can have a teacher in anatomy, you can have a teacher in sciences and uh, history, all kinds of teachers. In my time, I've even had many Bible teachers. So the question is, do you actually view Jesus as a good teacher, or do you view Jesus who he is as God? Because Jesus is God. I want to read from John 3. It should be on the screen for you as well, but it says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And at this point, Jesus is interacting early in his ministry with kind of the teachers of his day who would have taught the Bible. It says this. The man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs um, that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, once we understand that Jesus is God, he's not just a good teacher. We no longer look at his teachings as things that are optional. We no longer look at his teachings as things that we can kind of cherry pick and figure out what fits in our life. If we truly believe that Jesus is God, we look at our life and we see how we can mold ourselves around the scripture. We look at Jesus' teachings and we don't say, well, I really like this half, but I don't really like that half, and this half is convenient for me to follow, and these ones aren't so convenient in our current culture and day, so we can kind of ignore those. We look at our individual lives and we say, how does my life need to change to reflect Jesus' teachings? And the only way that's possible is if we don't look at Jesus as just a good teacher, but we actually have the reverence to look at Jesus and call him God. So that's the first truth that I want you guys to think through. Uh, John 20, 26 through 28, and I'm actually going to steal the screens for this one. It says this, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. He goes on to say, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and believe. In this passage, Thomas is declaring who Jesus truly is. You are my God. The next thing that I really want us to think about this morning is if we consider Jesus just a get-out-of-jail-free card. Anybody love board games? Show of hand. All right. I know many of our students at the church love board games. Me and my wife play board games all the time. Um, my family has a board game night once a week, or I'm sorry, once a month, and we love just getting to sit down as a family and play board games. Uh, how many of you guys have played Monopoly before? Has it ended in someone flipping the table? If not, you're probably better than what happens at my house. But the story of Monopoly is you're trying to accumulate wealth, you're trying to steal other people's money, you're trying to accumulate properties so that you can win the game. But the trouble is that occasionally you either draw the wrong card or you get in trouble and you get sent to jail. And many of us, as we play this game that we call life, someone at some point introduces us to the concept of sin and they say, you have a problem, you are sinful, that results in death. And then they offer us a solution. They offer us a card that we can play called Jesus. 
And many of us think of our own life like we're playing this game of Monopoly where all I have to do is use Jesus to get out of jail free. And we can tell if we've done this if our life looks the exact same before we met Jesus and after we've met Jesus. But we use Jesus as a pay for my sin for free and I'm going to continue playing the game the way I want to play the game. I no longer have to deal with the reality of hell, but I don't also have to follow Jesus' teachings because it's just a get-out-of-jail-free card. And this is a terrible way for us to treat our relationship with Jesus. In Romans 6, it says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We, too, might walk in newness of life. The truth is this. Jesus changes the game. When we meet Jesus, when we actually accept him for the first time, we're not supposed to go on living our life the way we did before. We have a new set of goals. We have a new set of ways of looking at the life. We have a new end goal. And if our life looks the same before we met Jesus and after we met Jesus, there's a good chance we just view Jesus as a get-out-of-jail-free card, not as our Savior. Because if we truly recognize Jesus as our Savior, we will start to live differently. And when he changes the game, he gives us a new set of priorities. He gives us a new set of teachings. He gives us a new set of ways that we're supposed to interact with the world around us. And if Jesus, we truly see him as our Savior, we will start to play a new game, not be stuck playing the old game. The last thing that I want us to think through, I'm sorry, uh, Romans 6, 22 through 23 says this, but now, what you have been set, but now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit that you get leads to sanctification and it ends in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We as Christians are called to live in a new way when we find Jesus as our Savior. The last point that I really want us to think about today and challenge the way we think about Jesus as we enter this Passion Week, Jesus is not your servant. Jesus is not your servant. And maybe a better language that can help us understand this, Jesus taught us how to serve, but Jesus is not our butler. Does anyone have a favorite movie with a butler in it? Mine is Batman. Yeah, okay, anybody Batman? What happens oftentimes for us in the United States is we're not necessarily familiar with this concept of a butler, but it's someone who helps out around your house. They might um, wait on you, and if you need something, they're going to go and get it and bring it back for you. Or if you're having a problem, and in Batman's case, if he's having a problem, he calls his butler, and his butler sends backup, or his butler sends a plane, or... He gets him out of the situation. And if we view Jesus as just our servant, as just our butler, we miss what Jesus is meant to be in our life. 
And if we put that expectation on Jesus that he is going to be someone who just comes in and rescues us from earthly troubles, we're going to be in the same situation that the crowd was in back in Jesus' day on Palm Sunday. So I want to ask you, do you view Jesus as your personal butler? But it's true that Jesus came and taught us how to serve. If we look at Matthew 20, 24 through 28, it says this. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant, and the two brothers, with the two brothers, but Jesus called them and called to him and said, You know that the rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and the great, one ex- great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, or Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it's true that Jesus came and served while he was on this earth, even to the point of death. And he also gave us a new way that we're supposed to serve others. We're supposed to serve others even before our own needs. But oftentimes that can cause us to think of Jesus as someone who's only meant to serve every earthly need that we've ever had. And we can start to have this mindset that if Jesus truly wants to serve me and Jesus truly is who he says he is, then I'll never get sick. And we can have this mindset that if Jesus truly is trying to teach us how to serve and he's a servant for me, then I'm never going to have financial problems in this life. And we can have this perspective on Jesus that if Jesus truly came to serve, then my earthly needs or my perceived needs and wants are going to be met by Jesus 100%. And the last truth, the last point of who Jesus is that I want you guys to understand tonight or today as we think about this together is that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In fact, if anyone deserves a butler, it would be Jesus. If anyone deserves to have someone wait on them hand and foot, it would be Jesus. If there's anyone who would have deserved to have every earthly need that they needed met, it would have been Jesus. But if we look at Jesus as a butler, as just merely a servant who's going to meet our needs, we miss the fact that he's our Lord. Another translation might just say Jesus is king. And I think oftentimes we get caught up in the fact that Jesus was a servant here on earth and forget that he's supposed to be the king in our life. Jesus is supposed to change the way that we live. Jesus is supposed to change what our priorities are. Jesus is supposed to dictate how we live our life. The commands that Jesus gave us should be the commands of a king to someone who is following that king. And as we look at the people in Jesus' day... They've put all kind of expectations on Jesus. They certainly look at Jesus as a good teacher. In fact, many of the people who address him in the New Testament call him rabbi, call him teacher, call him things that oftentimes he fulfills the roles of. But if they miss the fact that Jesus came as God, then the way that they live, the expectations that they have on Jesus are going to be different. And if we look at Jesus as just a good teacher, then we will also have expectations of Jesus that aren't meant to be placed on Jesus. When it comes to reading our Bible and we're looking through the things that kind of 
make us think, that kind of challenge the way that we look at life, that kind of challenge us to live in a different way, we'll look at them completely different if we view God as a good teacher than if we do truly view him as God. The people at that time had a bunch of earthly needs that they felt needed to be met. They looked around them and they saw the Roman rulers at that time and many of them were abusive of their power and they looked at Jesus and said, for surely if this is our Messiah, he's going to take care of every single one of our earthly needs. He's going to deliver us from these Romans. He's going to make sure that we no longer have to live underneath a king who's not Jewish. He's going to become our military leader and our earthly king. They had all sorts of expectations about getting their earthly needs met. But oftentimes, Jesus isn't necessarily the most concerned with our earthly needs. The people in that crowd found out that Jesus was more concerned with their eternity than he was with their current present situation. And I think oftentimes we fall into that trap as well. And lastly, the people, the people saw Jesus as their get-out-of-jail-free card. They saw Jesus as just this convenient loophole. They said, okay, we're currently under this Roman subjugation. We, we need to get out of it. Let's play our Jesus card so we don't have to be stuck here anymore. They didn't see him as their spiritual true savior, the one that was sent by God to take care of the sin problem in their life. The Jewish people had unmet expectations with Jesus. And if we're not careful, we'll place the same kind of expectations on Jesus that we're not meant to. Our unmet expectations do not change who Jesus is. And this is the celebratory part of Palm Sunday. This is the part where we get to look forward to Easter and we get to look forward to Good Friday because no matter what expectations we as humans put on Jesus, it will never change who he is. If we look at the book of Hebrews, should be on the screen, uh, 13 verse 8, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, he'll be the same today, and he'll be the same forever. And when he came on Palm Sunday, even though the crowd had unmet expectations, even though they had an incorrect view of who Jesus was, that didn't change who Jesus was. And just as we sit here thinking about what we would do if we were in that same crowd today, our unmet expectations, our incorrect view of who Jesus reveals himself to be cannot change who Jesus is. And that's something worth celebrating. Because Jesus is God, Jesus is Savior, Jesus is Lord in all of our lives, and that was true yesterday, today, and forever. And ultimately, that means that Jesus paid the price for sin. And I, I invite you guys back here on Good Friday so that we can celebrate the things that happened on the cross. Pastor Doug Schmidt, uh, he was awesome, awesome pastor. I, I can't wait to hear from him. But we also want to invite you back on Easter Sunday for you guys to experience the truth that Jesus died for each and every one of your sins. And no matter what expectations you may place on him, that doesn't change. So we want to invite you guys back Good Friday, Easter. We want you guys to be a part of that, but we also want you guys to invite others. We also want you guys to think through, who can I invite who needs to hear that story? 
who can I invite who maybe doesn't necessarily always go to church? Is that somebody at your work? Is that somebody at your school? Is that somebody who you live next to? Is that somebody who lives in your home? Who is that person? Because I truly believe if we're going to fully experience Easter Sunday and Good Friday, we have to have a foundation of who Jesus is in our life. I'm going to invite the uh, worship band back up so that they can close us in song, but I just want to challenge you guys to think in your own life. Do, do you guys view Jesus as Lord? Do you view him as your Savior? Do you view him as God? Or do you just view him as a good teacher? Do you just view him as someone who's got some cool sayings? Or do you view him as a get-out-of-jail-free card that now allows me to continue to live the same way that God is calling me out of living? Do you view Jesus as he revealed himself to be, or do you put unmet expectations on top of him that he was never called, he was never meant to fulfill? And hopefully today we can leave here celebrating because we know that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He did what he was supposed to fulfill, and we're going to celebrate that coming up on Easter. But as we leave here today, I want you guys to be encouraged because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's a miracle for each and every one of us. Even if we don't necessarily see our earthly needs being met in the way that we think we want them met, even if our expectations of Jesus don't meet, seem to be met in this day and this time, Jesus doesn't change. Let's pray together and then we'll worship. Um, quick side note, though, if you do have a child in one of our childcare or a Sunshine Park when the song is playing, feel free to grab them. But let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning just excited, excited for this Passion Week, excited for who Jesus reveals himself to be. But Father, uh, it oftentimes helps us to be humbled, to think about who we try to make Jesus to be versus who he actually came to be. And Father, if we were in the crowd today, hopefully we would recognize Jesus as who he came to be. We may say with the crowd, save us, king, but not, not as an earthly king, but as, as a spiritual king, as, as our future king in heaven. Father, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would stand and worship with us.